Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you had a, you had a moment to meet someone new or to help someone feel welcome and, and then maybe chat a little bit about uh, the nativity. So, you know, January is an interesting year. It's a time of the year, rather, uh, and uh, you've just come through the holidays, and that uh, would present a variety of any number of feelings uh, that you may have carried into and out of that season of the year. But now all of that is behind you, and it's back to work or back to the grind, or you're staring down sort of an empty calendar or a full one for 2024. And uh, it can be an interesting, an interesting time of year for uh, folks. And I don't know where you are in that feeling or in that conversation, but uh, I wanted to take a moment, at least today, maybe in the next few weeks, uh, to sit with sort of this moment in the season in the life of the church. We call it epiphany, uh, different streams of the church. Uh, yesterday, sort of celebrating the, uh, the, the wise men coming to visit uh, Jesus. It's, uh, it, Matthew's the only one who gives us this story uh, in the infant stories of Jesus. And uh, it's a season in the life of the church over the next few weeks when we, we sit with um, the sort of beautiful revelation of Jesus as the Son of God, the glory of God. And this first story is sort of what begins uh, the season, and we're going to sit with it today. But I, I, I want to hear it in the context of, of how I think January can feel, maybe feels for you this morning. I saw a bit of satirical writing about this time of the year, about January, and the, the title of the article caught my attention. People cope with the most depressing month of the year by giving up all the stuff they like, right? So it's already a hard month, but you know, you got to make all these resolutions to be a better person and give up all the things that you relied on <laughs> to sort of get through the year, the things you love and enjoy. I don't know, maybe that's where you are this morning. I, I was thinking about the nativity scene uh, as I was preparing for this morning, and, and my mind went back, maybe you remember, it was a couple of years ago, maybe, might have been 2020, uh, I was in, in COVID, you know, the Vatican uh, sets up a nativity scene every year, and there'll be like a contemporary element in, in uh, the display that they create, but a few years ago, I think it was 2020 again, uh, it, it got a lot of attention and some of it negative, and I think I have a picture of it here. We'll try to show you. Yeah, um, right? You guys like, what? Right? Uh, this is the wise men, a depiction of the wise men, and I'm sure there was a sort of artistic and, and uh, um, maybe culturally relevant reason to include this moment, but there was a lot of negative chatter about it, particularly during the year of like this sort of first year of our the world's experience of an epidemic. Like this was a startling sort of... Uh, portrayal of what the, you know we had hoped would have been a beautiful picture of hope, um, but uh, but it was just you know a, a really sort of beautiful scene. It, it brought to mind uh, Luther, the reformer Martin Luther, said of the scene uh, in Bethlehem. He he wrote, "If I had come to Bethlehem and seen it, I would have said this does not make sense. Right? This does not make." Sense. Some, some people felt that way about this, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's how you feel about Christmas. You've come through the Christmas season. We have celebrated uh, all of the emotion, perhaps nostalgia or sentimentality, the hope, the, the Christian hope of the Christmas season. We've come through all of that and whatever you have carried into that moment and now out of it into January, maybe you feel a bit like Martin Luther. This does not make sense. This doesn't 
Makes sense. See, he goes on to say, can this be the Messiah? This is sheer nonsense. I would not have let myself be found inside the stable. The sort of strangeness of the fact that in this baby, Jesus, God would be showing up in the world uh, to work life and hope and weakness rather than power as Matthew's story draws us into this morning. In Matthew's telling of the the birth of Jesus, uh, everything he wants us to know about the infancy story of Jesus is sort of wrapped up in this telling of the, the story of the Magi. Right, his primary concern, we won't sit with all of this. I'm going to make just some observations here, but, but just to kind of set the stage, and maybe these are things we'll explore in later weeks, but his, his primary concern, right, his chief claim is that Jesus is the living, this baby, this infant is the living Lord. And in this moment, as, as uh, scholars come from the East um, to worship uh, the one whom Matthew has identified as the king of the Jews, right? So non-Jews, Gentiles coming to worship Jesus, like Matthew's chief claim in this moment is to, is to express to us and to you that Jesus is the living Lord and he's gathering Gentiles into his community as the king of the Jews. It's, it's, it's a broad, he's making a sort of sweepingly broad claim here. There's a universal scope uh, to the, the, the hope that he's extending to the world here. A, a kind of open door policy for all who would seek him. He is the living Lord. Matthew's writing his story at a time when the early Christian community is, is growing. It's becoming a kaleidoscope of people, a socially mixed bag of classes and races and genders and political leanings. And it's, it's, it's a group now that is crossing sort of ethnic lines, right? Uh, Gentiles are being drawn into this community. These first Christians are wondering, what do we do about this? What does this mean? It sounds beautiful on paper, but, but in lived reality, it was a challenging moment, a steep learning curve. And Matthew gives us this moment, this message to say that through this picture of folks coming from the other side of the world, if you will, uh, that Jesus is Lord of, of all, all. And he's growing his community for all who would seek him. And there's a few questions here. We've considered some of this in years past. We'll just mention them now and maybe, maybe we'll visit them later. But as you hear the story, maybe it's familiar to you. Just a couple of things to think if you go back and read this passage. One question would be like, who is king here? Right? There's, there's a tension in the story. Who is, the, who is king? We meet King Herod uh, immediately, the sort of uh, representative of Roman power there among the Jewish people. And uh, uh, he is identified as king, but then Matthew draws our attention away from him to Jesus. Who, who is the king here? And then another question to consider is who is wise? So we use the language of wise men, magi, scholars. That's a question to consider as you read the story. Who is wise in the passage? Herod consults uh, sources of wisdom in his own life to understand who Jesus is. He calls the scribes and the the, the, the scholars in his world uh, to come and explain where is, what is this about a king of the Jews being born? Are they the wise ones or the magi who have traveled and come to worship a baby uh, as God with us, the Lord uh, of all, the king of the Jews. And then another question to think about if you're to sit with the story later, we're not going to, I'm just, this is an excuse to preach a bunch of different sermons at once is really what's happening here. You guys are very gracious. But another one to think about is like, what is worship in the story, right? Worship is, is central, right? They, they come and they find and they worship Jesus. They worship Jesus. 
They, they, they didn't necessarily, at least as Matthew gives us the story, they didn't come as scholars to learn more about him. They didn't come as sort of like political or wealthy movers and shakers in their own land to come and amass sort of more experiences and, and plunder for their sort of growing influence in the world. They came to, to worship. They, they came, and when they came, they, they didn't congratulate themselves on having found him or he was an infant, but they, they didn't come sort of seeking wisdom and knowledge to get something from him. We read in the story that they offered themselves up. They brought gifts. They, they came with a posture of, uh, God, take my life from getting things to giving of myself. They offered themselves up. It's just an interesting thing to think about. If you go back and sit with the story, who is king, who is wise, and what is worship in the passage? And I'll leave you to explore uh, some of those themes later. But I, I want to draw our attention to the end of the story, really. Um, so just a couple of phrases that have, have stuck out to me in previous years and continue to resonate and uh, I think are worthy of, of our attention. And, and just the last line of the reading that Clint read for us. Uh, notice how it ends. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, after having found Jesus, they departed to their own country by another way. They departed to their own country by another way. The, the first phrase uh, I want you to think about is they departed to their own country. They, the, the journey of the Magi, right, wasn't just to find Jesus. They then had to journey home, right? They, they went from sort of Advent and Christmas, if you will, back into the reality of January, right? They, they went home. They took whatever they had experienced, this moment of worship, what they had found in the person uh, of Jesus, what they had been searching for, and then they had to go back. They went home. What, what they experience here in this moment with Jesus, they, they then take with them back to life as they know it. It's an interesting, I think, move. Uh, a, a place maybe for you to sit for just a moment and, and, and consider the experience of the last few weeks, the celebration of Christmas this year. What does it look like? To take Jesus, the answer to the hopes and fears of the world and of your heart and life, into or back into home for you. The, just the ordinary places, the return trip, if you will, into the January of your uh, life. You're back to deadlines and responsibilities. You're back to uh, the routines of, of life with the family or with friends and neighbors. You're, 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 you're just back into all the things you had maybe tabled uh, as you headed into Christmas. Just, you know, that's a 2024 thing, right? You're just like, I can't think about that right now. And now you wake up uh, and you're like, all of that is there. What does what, does what you experience uh, at the manger do when you take it back into those places. I, I think it's an interesting maybe move or prayer or posture to take in your life and mine, one that I am uh, attempting at least in my own life to connect 
the sort of centering experience of worship, maybe what you experience here on a Sunday, the, the moment where, as we even sang this morning, feels like a mountaintop perhaps. God meets you through a word or a phrase that you sing or something you hear spoken or an encouragement from a neighbor. God meets you and you feel like there is hope and there is life, but, but you have to leave and you go back home and into the routines and the duties of your weekday, workaday hours. What, what would it mean for the sort of deepening, centering experience that you have in this moment? to follow you there, to pray, God, would you help what happens here to follow me there? They went home. They went back to their own country. It's a, it's a step you're all making. We're all making. And this morning, as we step into this season, as we sit once more with the story of Christmas, I, I just want you to think about what it might mean or look like or how it might feel to take Jesus with you the hope of this moment, Jesus is Lord of, of all into your week this week. But that's not the only thing he says, not just uh, to their own country. They didn't just go back home. They went by another way. It's an important detail, and perhaps these are details we'll consider at another time, but, but they went by another way uh, because of Herod's violent uh, insecure reaction uh, to the news of Jesus. And there's a lot to be considered in that moment. And again, we'll table that for perhaps consideration further later. But I, I just have been uh, sitting with this phrase, they went home by another way. They went, they went home back to what they knew, but they went back differently. If you'll in, allow me or indulge me to sort of use it, I guess, metaphorically, or um, the, the language to me strikes me. They went home having experienced Jesus differently, by a different way. Back to life they knew, but by a different route. I'm reminded of the poem by T.S. Eliot, who writes about this experience, the journey of the Magi, he calls it. And in the last stanza, this is what he says. All this was a long time ago, writing from the perspective of the Magi. I remember, and I would do it again, but set down, this set down, this were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence, and no doubt I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard, bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here. In the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods, I should be glad for another death. Right, you, you hear the move Elliot is making. They went home by a different way. They, they, they had experienced something in the presence of the infant Jesus, the thing they had been searching for, and they go home back to the world they know, the context they know, the culture they know, the practices they know, the religions they know. They go back to all of that different Different. It, it wasn't just their journey out there, but it was their trip home that was uh, altered or changed. I, uh, maybe you noticed, I, I should have paid more careful attention. I saw a couple, a couple of you hopscotch your way in, into the building this morning, which is really fun. Adults, right? It was, I won't call any of you out, although I could name a couple of you, but... Um, uh, you, you, you hopped your way in, into into the building. You guys didn't. Some of you didn't notice. You're just like 
focused, right? 2024, I'm on it. You didn't even see the hopscotch grid on the ground right outside. There's a hopscotch grid. Um, I, 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 th- I think about hopscotch frequently this time of year. Uh, you're like, really, Matt, buddy? It's, uh, we should pray for our pastor. I don't know. Um, uh, particularly the story of the Magi. Right, because when you play hopscotch, the, the whole point of the game is to get to your destination, return by the same way, right? And, and I, I love the image we have in Matthew's telling of the story, right? Being warned in a dream, having experienced Jesus. You guys are like, he's already going to the guitar? Is this a New Year's resolution of our pastor? <laughs> no, this is a one-off. I will never be this brief again this year. <laughs> but, but I love the image of the story of the wise men. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They went home. They went home by another way. It just, it, it just feels like an appropriate image for the conversations we've been having around Park City this year. We have approached Christmas. Maybe you celebrated with us in the lead up with Advent. Maybe you were here Christmas Eve or in your own context and families and communities. You you came to the moment of Christmas. God with us, Jesus, the Savior of the world. The one in whom the hopes and fears of all the years have been met. You have come here and it has changed you. And now it's time to go home into January, back to all the routines of your life. But but you have been invited to go by a different way. Jesus is coming in the manger as an infant, as Matthew tells us, the story has made all the the difference. Perhaps he's grown a bit by the time the, the wise men show up, but their meeting this one has changed everything. And we know how the story will continue. Jesus, not only in a manger, but his life and death and resurrection, his making his home with us, bearing the sin that we carry in our hearts, brings us home by another way. See, we think, I think, we think, that all the questions that we consider during the Advent season God, will it ever get any better? Will will I ever be clean, uh, rid of this stain or this regret? Will I ever know joy? Will you show up even here as we considered Christmas Eve? I think all of those questions, particularly this time of year on the other side of Christmas, can feel particularly heavy. This time of year, when it's our resolve that makes the difference. This time of year, when the pressure to sort of muscle our way through all of those questions, to get ourselves out perhaps of the mess that we're in or to power our way through to whatever is in front of us, I think that move is just playing hopscotch. We're trying to make our way back out the same way we got in on our own balancing awkwardly most of the time on one foot. And I want to tell you this morning the good news of the gospel, the Christmas story, the the story of the Magi as Matthew has given it to us, is that the invitation to you and me is to go home by 
another way. It's good news. It's the gospel for, for you, for your life, for our sin. It's the good news that even when we can manage peace, it's fleeting. We can only balance our lives for a moment before sin and evil seem to find their way back in and around the corner of our lives. And at best, we're balancing on one leg, trying to kind of hold it all together. The answer to all of that, we hear in the story of these scholars who show up, in the story of the infant Jesus. Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of all. As we'll sing in just a moment, in light of this truth, how can we keep from singing Christ is Lord and that changes the way in which we carry all of those questions. I, I want to leave you with a, uh, I want to take you to another passage of scripture. Um, I, I have just myself been sitting with uh, Isaiah 28 verse 16. and um, This is not a move I always make, but I think it has some relevance for this morning as we wrap up. I, I, I wonder, right, I, I just wonder, perhaps you feel like you're hopscotching into the new year, right? Maybe that is a, an image you can keep, right? Maybe for you, things are good, and you're like, I'm resolved to do more in 24, uh, you know? You're just like, I'm, I am, I am, things are, I'm in a groove, things are going, 23's been great, and 24 looks good, and I, and that, you're just like, yeah, right? It's a beautiful thing, celebrate that. Maybe that's you, you're just, but you're hopscotching with all the sort of intensity of your elementary-aged hopscotch yourself, right? You're just, I got this, right? There is no challenge you can't meet but maybe maybe you're hopscotching into 24 and all you're trying to do is distance yourself from 23 whatever you can do to put the things you've experienced in the last year behind you maybe you've come to Christmas and now you're on your way back you're headed into the new year and you're wondering what difference does Advent and Christmas make what does it mean for my life as I go home well, I, I want to leave you with a, a hopeful word from Isaiah 28, verse 16. He describes, he's anticipating Jesus' arrival, and, and he's, he's described him as the cornerstone, right? He says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. And then this phrase, whoever believes will not be in haste. Whoever believes will not be in haste. It's an interesting word, right? Whoever, whoever believes your life now altered, anchored, changed by what you've experienced at Christmas, you'll go back into whatever home is like, whatever life is like for you. But uh, with this newfound faith, the gift of like the life of Christ in you, you, you can go and you will not be in haste. It's a word, it's kind of hard to pin down. The imagery is like quivering, perhaps, with, with fear or agitated under the pressure, perhaps, of, of what you experience in life. You, you won't go afraid or wavering or quivering. You won't be in haste. It's such an interesting word. And I, I think it's a word, I think it's a word that January really wants to, wants to put on you. Right? As you step into whatever you're resolved to do this year, man, to just make it happen. The pressure to haste, to, to quiver with sort of the energy to make it work.
I feel like this time of a year, we feel the pressure of that word in uniquely sort of specific ways. And the gospel says that when you've met Jesus, when you place your faith in, in, in him, you go into life and you will not be in haste. Your life deeply rooted, centered in his work for you, not your work. You go home, yes, but you go home by a different way. Will you guys stand with me? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.